It's time for the January 13, 2023 edition of Weekly Signals Weekly Review, a personal recollection of the last 168 hours of history, broadcasting on Poetry Break Day from the University of California at Irvine on KUCI 88.9 FM. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And as always, a smiling face. Behind the gruff exterior, Mahler, the fake news dog. Arf, 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 arf. Yes, Mahler. Arf. What a good boy. What a very good boy. Yeah. Are there any words that you'd like to use to describe Mahler? Efficacious. Efficacious? Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Today, we'll be talking about the Wienermobile. Okay. Paleo Valleys, Feinstein's Seat, a vaccine for honeybees, and even more than that. But I've got a question for you, Mike. Okay. Are there any words that you'd like me not to use? Yeah, let's see. Um, uh, petty. I've used the word petty? No, I'm just saying I wish oh, you would. Oh, if I did. Yeah. Yeah, use today. The word petty. You, could, you would just, want me. Just I not will today. not say petty yeah. okay. from this point forward today. Today. I will not say okay. petty. Petty. From the Hill. <laughs> Lake Superior State University in Michigan has compiled its much anticipated annual banished word list for 2023. Mm, that's interesting. The purpose of the list is to support excellence in education by encouraging avoidance of words and terms that are overworked. Redundant, oxymoronic, cliched, illogical, nonsensical, and otherwise ineffective, baffling, or irritating. And here it is. The top 10 Lake Superior State University list of banished words and terms for 2023. Number 10. It is what it is. Oh, God. Now, I... I'm, I'm against that. But they, of course, say, of course it is what it is. What else would it be? <laughs> but if you, these guys are sitting. Well, this is what they do. They come up with. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They're sitting in a university. Yeah, yeah. And they're thinking about words. Right. They're not thinking about actions. Okay. Yeah. Now, if you're a basketball coach. Yeah. And a guy has just lost the game for you. Yeah. And it was a mistake or a, he had a great shot yeah. and he missed it. He threw a brick. He's feeling really down and depressed. Yeah. What the coach is saying to him when he says. It is what it is. Yeah. Is it's in the past. Yeah, it's done. Learn There's from nothing it. You can do from it. Learn from it. Yeah, learn from it. Yeah. It is what it is. It is what it is. These guys at Lake Superior State University—they make me sick. Me too. The number nine word. <laughs> yeah. You might ask yourself, are we going to play this harp for every word? I was just going to. I don't know. I was wondering that myself. I was going <laughs> to freewheel it here. <laughs> number nine, absolutely. It replaces oh. the simple yes. Sounds like it comes with a guarantee when it doesn't. I use absolutely sometimes. I use it too many times. I use it too much. I try not to use it. I want to be emphatic about some things. I don't think it replaces yes. So I'm going to go against the uh, Lake Superior State University list once again and say absolutely isn't bad. It is overused sometimes. I overuse it. Yeah. yeah. Number eight. Wow, that harp came through again. Mahler really likes playing the harp. And He's I, good. Yeah. It's 
especially with those non-opposable thumbs. Yeah, how does he do yeah, it? I don't know. Number eight, irregardless. Oh, God. It's not a word. No, it isn't. But some dictionaries recognize it now as a word because we've just said it so damn much. Yeah. Regardless is just fine. Yeah. Irregardless. I don't know what the ear is about. Yeah, it's kind exactly. of redundant. I was disabused of this word many years ago. In fact, way back in the days in which we had an office over there on Sand Canyon was when I huh? became aware of my use of the word and how how inappropriate it was. So, huh? yes, uh, it's been a while, but yes. All right. Irregardless. Number seven. Does that make sense? People say that now. Does that make sense? They explain something to you, and they say, does that make sense? I'm not and, so... Okay. I well, don't know. they overuse it. That's okay, what this, oh, this is, is overuse. About. All right. You know, and, and it's really filler. A lot of people use it in speeches as fillers. You know, they'll be talking, and then they'll look at the audience and say, does that make sense? <laughs> well, what do they expect the audience to do? Yeah. Say no? <laughs> You're an idiot? What are you yeah. talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I, I find myself asking the question... Am I making sense? Quite, Am quite. I, I say it's interior voice. Well, that's that says, uh, right. <laughs> number six. Wow, get a little bit tired of the. No, it's it's good. Mahler. It's good, Mahler. Yeah, Mahler. I will say to you. He's he's been practicing it for two weeks now. So let him go. Let him do it. Number six, amazing. Another word. It should be reserved for things that are amazing, not just anything. And in a way, I agree with it. But then again, you know, you want to perk people up and make them feel good about themselves. Give it a rest here. Yeah. Number five. Well, that Mahler. was a good one, Mahler. <laughs> Thank you. Moving forward. I have to agree with this one. Yeah. Because where else are you going to go? <laughs> you know, moving forward, is, it, you can tell that that's a filler. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we are moving forward. We are listening to you talk. There, there are certain words and phrases, and this is one of them. When you're, let's say, in a debate, politicians use this quite often where yeah. they use a phrase that gives their brain a half a second or so to gather their thoughts. Yeah. And you can kind of see the gears grinding uh -huh. sometimes, sometimes not, sometimes they're better at it. But you can see them internally going, what the hell am I going to say next? And Let me say this moving, about that. Moving forward. Number four. Gaslighting. Yeah. It's overuse disconnects the term from the real concern, dangerous psychological manipulation that causes victims to distrust their thoughts, feelings, memories, or perception of reality. And they have been overusing it. It doesn't really fit anymore. The, Sometimes a lie is just a lie. It's yeah, not gaslighting. Yeah. If the use of the word distracts our attention and our focus from something that is a lie, I agree. I think in this age, it's shorthand for a lie. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to push back a little bit on this one. Not a lot. Yeah, not a yeah. lot. But I agree with you. Yeah. Number three. Oh, boy. <laughs> Quiet quitting. Yeah, I didn't like this. Cause, I didn't even know this. I've yeah. never, I don't know if I've ever heard this. Quiet quitting. Well, it's trendy okay. right now, okay. but it's inaccurate. Its definition is actually uh, companies complaining about workers refusing to be exploited. Well, this is the wordsmithing that these idiots sit around doing. I've been in this environment, in the public realm, uh -huh. in government, constantly coming up with new ways to say the same old BS. Yeah, exactly. It's, that's, that's Just give some, me the same old BS. Yeah, see, I like me, that yeah, stuff. Yeah. It's I don't a classic. like meetings anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So make it as short as possible. <laughs> 
Number two. Inflection point. Yeah. It's this year's version of Pivot, yeah. which was banished in 2021. Okay, by the superior... The uh, students and yeah, the yeah. teachers at Lake Superior State University. Yeah, they think they're superior. Ah, okay, well, actually, so inflection... Infle- let's go inflection point. Is that what that was? Yeah. Inflection point, yeah, okay. yeah. All right. It's a pretentious way to say turning point. Yeah. All right. All right, now... Mahler, really lean into this one, will you please? This is it right here. And the number one banished word from the Lake Superior State University's list of banished words. Nice. Goat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't like that one either. No. And and by the way, am I crazy, but goat used to be a bad thing. Yeah, you were the goat. You you were the goat. Something that you did that caused them to lose the game. You were the goat. I can. Yeah, yeah it's I an know. acronym, of course, for greatest of all time. And There's way too many greatest of all time, by the yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. It's applied to everything from athletes to chicken wings. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> These chicken wings, they're the goat. You go with people like that, you know, that's the one I agree with. I agree with goat. Yeah, I'm, I'm hands down on, on that one. The asshats from Lake Superior are right on this one. Okay. Yeah. By the way, can I say right on? Is that? Is it feel like, I think so. feels like that. I shouldn't. If you think this news is the goat, may I recommend a donation to KUCI to improve your vocabulary? Just go to the KCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial free, free form, free speech radio, KUCI 88.9 FM. Yeah, Mahler. Mahler, it's absolutely amazing, and it is what it is. Yeah, Mahler. Thanks for the harp. Yeah. From BBC News, mammals in the ocean swim through a world of sound. Mm-hmm. But in recent decades, humans have been noisy neighbors, cranking up the volume, blasting waters with noise from cargo ships, oil and gas exploration, and military operations. New research reported in the Journal of Current Biology suggests our noise is making it harder for dolphins to communicate and work together. When dolphins try to cooperate on a task in a noisy environment, it's not so different from you and me trying to communicate over the din of KUCI or jackhammers or sirens mm-hmm. or, for that matter... Mahler, Mahler playing yeah. the harp. Yeah, yeah, Mahler playing the harp. Yeah, Mahler. You think that's funny, don't you? you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> the hell are you, Mother? <laughs> yeah. Knock it off. Yeah. All right. When it's loud in the ocean, dolphins yell. They get louder, calling longer and louder. Mm. Yeah? yeah. There's a dramatic increase in how often they fail to coordinate. Yeah. Dolphins hunt together using sound to communicate and find their way through echolocation. They also use sound to stick together with their families and whistle to signal their presence to peers. In noisy environments, animals can't talk to each other, and in the long run, these conditions could affect their food intake and their ability to reproduce, and that comes back to us again. Yeah. And you know, not that you know want to go out there and eat dolphins, but there are other fish out there too. Yeah. If they're not reproducing enough, it yeah. takes down our food supply if we're if we choose to eat fish. <clears throat> the traffic from tankers and. Uh, luxury liners and just general noise in the ocean is becoming quite obnoxious. 
I know that whales can communicate several thousand miles apart from, with each other. Yeah. The signal that they send out goes literally thousands of miles, and that's becoming a problem for them because they're able to communicate literally conditions in you know the North Atlantic to somewhere in South America, off the coast of South America. They're like America. weather reporters? Kind of. Yeah. yeah wow. I mean, it's amazing. It is truly amazing, the ability. And we're mucking up the oceans in profound ways. From The Guardian, the world's oceans were the hottest ever recorded in 2022, demonstrating the profound and pervasive changes that human-caused emissions have made to the planet's climate. The records, starting in 1958, show a relentless rise in ocean temperature with a sharp acceleration in warming after 1990. Hotter oceans help supercharge extreme weather, leading to more intense hurricanes and typhoons and more moisture in the air, which brings more intense rains and flooding, like right here, right now. Yes. Warmer water also expands, pushing up sea levels and endangering coastal cities. By the way, I just real quick, because I just heard this. A new study from the journal Science confirms that Exxon was fully aware of the link between fossil fuel emissions and global heating, but spent decades refuting it. We know all of this stuff. The report finds that Exxon, as early as the 1970s, predicted with breathtaking accuracy the disastrous climate path. And there's a chart that you'll see if you go, if you look for Exxon and climate change, you'll see this chart, which is exactly what we are experiencing now in terms of Temperature rises, uh, and they knew it in the 19, late 1970s. They were fully aware of it. From the New York Times, this is what the New York Times is saying right here. California, in the midst of aridification, it's the so-called drought, mm -hmm. is now officially wet. We've had our water. We've had a lot of snow. Yeah. We're above some yearly averages around the state. But California doesn't have to passively suffer through the whiplash of arid heat and torrential rain. To reduce risk from both, it can make use of unique geologic features called paleo valleys. These buried canyons carved into the state's central valley were formed by Ice Age rivers that flowed down the western Sierra Nevada and were later filled in with coarse sand and gravel from glacial melt making Paleo Rivers exceptionally porous and capable of moving heavy rains underground quickly. Amen. The permeability is so great that they can absorb about 60 times, six zero times more water than the surrounding clay and silt. Yes. Only three Paleo Valleys have been found so far, but the hunt is on to find more and quickly. Yes. A healthier underground water system can feed rivers from below and allow people to continue to pump water from wells. So it's all positive. It can make more water available to plants and soil, help to sustain the rain cycle, and reduce fire risk. To use paleo valleys to store these big rains, the land above them must be conserved for groundwater recharge. It's pretty simple, and that's already a challenge, though. One paleo valley found outside of Sacramento has been slated for housing developments, there you go. which would cover it with impermeable concrete and asphalt. Yes. These decisions are typically governed by city and county governments, but the state could and should incentivize areas with paleo valleys to protect the land above them. This yep. is the key. It's called infrastructure. It's called smart design. It's, there's a lot of things in play here. And as an example, here in Southern California, the land 
coming out of the San Gabriel Mountains. All that land just at the base of the mountain ranges in Southern California is very porous. It is in the same way you're talking about. Sandy, porous. And over the years, some, including L.A. County, have built up what they call spreading grounds, essentially water retention areas. And they've been very effective. But as you get closer to the ocean, as you get closer to the shore, all of the silt that has been pushed out of the mountain ranges towards the ocean becomes what you're describing, clay-like, very impermeable to water percolating down into the groundwater. So those are the areas. Those are what you're talking about, those valleys, those paleo valleys. Those are key. And if we can do this, we can be smart about it. We may be able to navigate our way out of real disasters in the future. Paleo valleys are great, but we can also take our existing rivers and use more of them and create. They wouldn't be paleo valleys. They wouldn't be as huge. Mm -hmm but at least we could uh, mimic them on a small scale and let the water sink down into the aquifers that we have locally. And as we've talked about many times, stop pouring asphalt and concrete over our land in such a way that it's not able to percolate down into the groundwater. From the Salt Lake Tribune, an emergency briefing warns of unprecedented danger to Utah's public health environment and economy if the Great Salt Lake does not receive a dramatic influx of water by 2024. The lake has already hit record low elevations for two years in a row, exposing 60% of its lake bed, which continues to dry into its toxic source of dust pollution. And then you got your winds, and then you got people with respiratory problems. Excessive water use in the Great Salt Lake's basin means the lake is set to disappear in the next five years. That's disappear. Last season, the Utah legislature took some of its biggest conservation measures ever in an effort to save the Great Salt Lake, including a $40 million trust to secure water rights and improve habitat for the lake. In recent months, Governor Spencer Cox closed the lake's watershed to new water rights. That's a good thing. Yes. His latest budget proposal calls for $132.9 million to help the lake specifically, along with another $217 million for statewide water conservation. But lake researchers and advocates say it's not enough. They say, let's have Elon Musk give some of his money to it. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm reading these figures, 217 million, and that's nothing. No. Compared to Twitter, which is a piece of shite. Well, and you know, we're talking about losing a lake in a heavily populated area, yeah. and some jackass is dicking around with money far in excess of what this is. He could fund this whole thing without even feeling it. Depending on what the stock market does on any given day, he could more than pay for that, what you're describing. Exactly. He loses and gains more money than that probably every week, in some manner of speaking. The emergency briefing calls on the governor to take emergency action to save the Great Salt Lake, including a requirement that 2.5 million acre feet of water Reach it each year until waters rise to a sustainable level. That's a lot of water. Yeah. The agriculture industry has so far expressed reluctance about fallowing fields and leasing water, even as state leaders constantly tout those measures as winning solutions for the Great Salt Lake. Yeah. So we don't have cooperation with big ag right now on, on some of the things that would help the lake itself. And are they going to be another Exxon? <laughs> 
You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us on the web at KUCI.org, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9, on our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com, and on Twitter and Instagram at KUCIFM. Remember Sherwood Roland, Mike? I do remember Sherwood Roland, and we are sitting in some ways the beneficiaries of his scientific work here at KUCI. And he was not too far from uh, where we're sitting right now, his offices. Tell me more. He was a professor of chemistry at UCI. His research was on atmospheric chemistry and chemical kinetics. I like chemical kinetics. (laughs) That's cool stuff. His best-known work was the discovery of chlorofluorocarbons and how they contribute to the ozone layer. Mm -hmm. That won, uh, Roland, the Nobel Prize in 1994. Mm-hmm. UCI Nobel Laureate Sherwood Rowland. And what was the impact of chlorofluorocarbons on the atmosphere, Nathan? Well, the ozone layer. The, it was destroying. Right it was it. burning a hole. And, and our last knuckle-headed president still didn't understand that. Remember, yeah. he was talking yeah. about hairspray, I think, at one point in yeah. time. Yeah. Well, he would know yeah. about hairspray. Yeah, if you do it inside your bathroom, it's yeah. not going to go into the atmosphere. See, see, see. What an idiot that man was. <laughs> I mean, he still is. He still is, yeah. So because of his work, Nathan, tell me a little bit more. I believe there's more to this story. From the Washington Post, efforts to repair the Earth-depleted ozone layer are working. According to a panel of UN-backed scientists, as global emissions of ozone-harming chemicals continue to decline. yes. As a result, the ozone layer, which blocks ultraviolet sunlight from reaching Earth's surface, continues to slowly thicken. That's a good thing. Yes. Keeping off those nasty rays. Mm -hmm. Restoring it is key for human health, food security, and, of course, our little doggy, Mahler. (laughs) That's right, Mahler. He loves that ozone layer. UVB radiation causes cancer and eye damage in humans and also damages plants inhibiting their growth and curbing their ability to store planet-warming carbon dioxide. The ozone's recovery is proof that societies joining together can solve environmental problems and combat climate change. Thank you, Roland. From Los Angeles Times. This is what the L.A. Times is saying right here Hmm. in an opinion piece by Thomas Kahn. Republicans have long claimed they are dedicated deficit hawks blaming Democrats for growing deficits and debt. But two votes they cast after electing Kevin McCarthy as House Speaker prove that Republicans are liars. First, House Republicans passed a new rule called Cut-Go, which would add trillions of dollars in red ink to our public debt. Not to worry, and all this stuff, it won't be passed because of the Democratic Senate and because of Joe Biden, but it's still bringing momentum into this type of idiotic thinking. Then, just a few hours after passing Cutco, the Republicans busted the deficit again by voting to gut the Internal Revenue Service budget. This Republican vote will increase the debt by more than $100 billion over 10 years by encouraging wealthy Americans to cheat on their taxes and avoid paying their fair share, like Trump mm-hmm. bragged about. Yes. Republicans took this step despite recent reports that the IRS lacks the staff to properly audit Trump and other high-income Americans. Cutgo would increase the debt by permitting Congress to pass mammoth tax cuts without paying for a penny of them. 
That means that cost will get added to the debt. CutGo is designed to further the Republicans' wish list to cut spending on priorities like climate change and health care while passing huge tax cuts which balloon the debt and benefit the rich. Cutco would also make it more difficult to raise taxes on the wealthiest Americans or on corporations paying little or no taxes by requiring a supermajority for the House to pass revenue increases. Yeah. One of the reports that came out on Trump's taxes was that in one year fairly recently, he paid $750 in taxes. Yeah. So I paid I more. Think that we, we suspected that oh, yeah. like four years ago. Yeah, of course. Yeah, they were going through that. But now we know for sure that yeah. that's what he did. $750. Yeah. I paid more in tax. I think just about everyone who's listening to the show, yeah. all three or four of you, <laughs> have paid more in uh, taxes than Donald Trump. Yeah. Well, given the lunatics we have running the House of Representatives, thank God we have a Democratic Senate. Yes, we do. Yes. And let's talk about adding one more progressive voice to the United States Senate, shall we? Yeah. From the Los Angeles Times, Representative Katie Porter, a Democratic Congress member and hotshot known for her just-the-facts man, questioning of corporate leaders and use of a whiteboard to illustrate concepts in congressional hearings, announced she is running for U.S. Senate. Mm -hmm. The Irvine attorney is running for the California seat expected to be vacated by Democrat Dianne Feinstein. Feinstein, 89, who was first elected to the Senate in 1992, is facing questions about her mental fitness for office and has stepped back from some official duties. Yeah. Her current term ends in 2025. She has said she does not plan to step down before her term ends, but has not announced whether she will run for re-election in 2024. Meanwhile, Representative Adam Schiff, another favorite to run, has said he'll wait for Feinstein to decide before he makes his own call. And Representative Barbara Lee told her colleagues in the Congressional Black Caucus during a closed-door meeting that she plans to run for Senate. So we have three yeah. very good candidates they, they for are Senate. All, it's yeah. too bad we can't have three senators. Yeah, well, in a quote-unquote primary, yeah. we could end up with two of those four that you mentioned in the general election. Yeah. Because in California, it's the top two vote getters in the primary who run against each other. Whether or not it's a Republican or a Democrat, it doesn't matter. It's who are the top two vote getters. And it's most likely that the Democrats would have the top two vote getters. So it could be an interesting race between, yeah. I believe Katie will be one of the two. And then it could be Adam Schiff or, as you mentioned, Barbara Lee or, and, or whoever. And there are a lot of very, very good politicians in this state. I think uh -huh. they've demonstrated that they do care about getting things done. And so it'll be interesting. From Life Sciences News, last spring, an artificial intelligence lab called OpenAI unveiled DALI technology that lets you create digital images simply by describing what you want to see. Now, with the same kind of technology, science have the ability to create new cancer treatments, new flu vaccines, or a new pill that helps you digest gluten, if you're one of those gluten-free people. Using many of the same techniques that underpin DALI and other art generators, these scientists are generating blueprints for new proteins, tiny biological mechanisms that can change the way our bodies behave. Our bodies naturally produce about 20,000 proteins, which handle everything from digesting food to moving oxygen through the bloodstream. Now, thanks to the technological advancement of DALI, scientists can design their proteins much faster 
with much higher success rates and create much more sophisticated molecules. So I, I'm going to use one of those words that we shouldn't be. It's amazing, amazing. actually. I think we're on the cusp of, a, of an era when you will be able to, to some degree, to manage your own health. You'll, you'll have enough of the, this home technology where you can check your, obviously you can do it now, blood pressure, heart rate, all kinds of things you can measure on your own body. Uh -huh. And eventually you'll be able to, I believe, be able to tailor whatever it is your body needs by virtue of things like this kind of technology. In right to repair news mm -hmm. from Ars Technica, this is what Ars Technica is saying here, mm -hmm. in the right to repair news. Gotcha. John Deere and the American Farm Bureau signed a memorandum of understanding outlining the company's responsibilities to provide diagnostic tools and software outside of the company's official authorized repair centers. That's a good thing. Yes, it is. Farmers have been at odds with John Deere since 2016 when the company changed its end-user license to require any repairs involving embedded software to be carried out only by authorized technicians. This is one of the many things that people hate about corporations, and for good reason. This is just greed. Yeah. This is just naked greed. They did it because they can. Apple's done it. There's so many companies now that are just infuriating to me that they have gotten away with this for yeah. as long as they have. Well, and it turns everything into a lease. Exactly. So you don't really have ownership of anything. Right. And you can hold the device, right. but after that, you can't look at it without losing uh, the, the warranty or, or the device itself. In July 2021, Joe Biden weighed in with an executive order that called on the Federal Trade Commission to prevent unfair anti-competitive restrictions on third-party repair or self-repair items, such as the restrictions imposed by powerful manufacturers that prevent farmers from repairing their own equipment. But it's ridiculous, too, in the farmer's case. Yeah. I mean, you have somebody in a rural area. I'm right. sure they have some... John Deere technicians out there, but I doubt that they, they have somebody who can fix it the way a farmer might need it to turn his crop around and make things productive. Now, this is our food supply. These are things that matter. It's infuriating. Is that a word I can use? I can't remember if it's that's a good word. Okay, I can use that. Okay. Infuriating. Yeah, it's infuriating. The Memorandum of Understanding between John Deere and the Farm Bureau sets out John Deere's obligations, which include providing access to its diagnostic tools, manuals, product service demos, training, and seminars to farmers, including their staff or independent technicians. You know, every once in a while there's something that comes along that's sort of political, but sort of social or technical, that actually impacts people. Most right. of the time it's sort of esoteric, you know, environment, ah, that, well, somebody else will take care of it. These are the kind of things that if people are paying attention just would drive, should drive them crazy, should make them want to vote the bastards out of office who supported this yeah. in the first place. Do you like the taste of sugar or salt? Those uh, kind of things? salt. So you like salt. Oh, yeah. I'm okay on, on sugar. I, I can take it or leave it. If it's done right. Yes. If, if they don't overdo the sugar. Yes. If you eat a cookie and all you taste is sugar, yeah. that's crap. That's crap. Yeah. Exactly right. I'm with you on that. Salt, that is my morphine, if you well, will. Yeah. Well, yeah. look out, man. Yeah, I know. From Scientific American, though. I know. This is in I your know. favor. I, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, okay. From Scientific American. A student research team designed a spoon with a structure that stimulates taste buds to produce a sensation of sweetness without adding calories or chemicals. The project follows previous work involving flavor-enhancing chopsticks that amplify saltiness with a mild electric current. <laughs> yes, electric <laughs> chopsticks. 
Yeah. Oh man, if that yeah, if that is an, a 1980s pop band name, I don't know what. Electric chopsticks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The team wanted to develop their new spoon called Sugarware for people with disorders such as diabetes, which affects more than 11% of the U.S. population. Sugar is largely off the menu for many with diabetes. The new spoon would have several bumps on its underside, creating a greater surface area to press against the tongue. The bumps it will be covered with a permanent layer of molecules called ligands. These ligands bind with taste cell surface receptor proteins that typically react to sugar molecules. The binding can trigger a cascade of nerve singles, causing the brain to register a sensation of sweetness. So you can stimulate sweetness receptors without sweet stuff. Okay. And the same goes with these uh, chopsticks. Get a pair of these chopsticks, Mike. Yeah, just carry them around. Yeah. Everything could taste salty. Yeah, I like it. How about the Wienermobile, Mike? (laughs) Do you ever want to drive one around? Yeah, when I was a kid. Yeah. Oscar Mayer and the Wienermobile, are you kidding me? Oh, my God. He was a rock star. What about now, though? Oh, why not? I've seen the Wienermobile, Uh and that's not a euphemism. I've seen it, and... I, well, want... I think we saw one together yes. over there when we worked together uh, in the San... old Irvine area. Yeah, San Candy. That's right. Yeah. And we actually talked to the person That's right. who was running the Wienermobile, and I don't think she appreciated us. Maybe not. We to... were saying, can we take a look inside? I would love and... to climb inside the Wienermobile. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure she yeah. heard that all the time. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> she was staying at the hotel, though, so apparently yeah, you would yeah, think yeah. with that long wiener, yeah. you'd be able to like put a sleeping bag or you know some sort of <laughs> yeah. place to... Let's be honest. It was a big wiener. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. If you're out, you know, in, say, a rural area yeah. with your wienermobile, yeah. it'd be nice to be able to pull over the side of the road mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. have a little area in the back of the wiener where you could uh, chill. Chill. Yeah. yeah. From Oscar Mayer. If you've always wanted to drive the Oscar Mayer wienermobile, Oscar Mayer is looking for recent college graduates to sign up for a year as a hot dogger. <laughs> That's what they call them. Not only will you drive the Wienermobile, but you'll be a Wiener ambassador, giving talks to the public and logging your Wiener adventures on social media. Yeah. Fans only? Is that where you're going to be posting these things? I don't know. The job description is online until January 31st at oscarmeyer.com. So there you go, Mike. Oscarmeyer.com. Always wanted to drive a Wienermobile, so maybe I need to look into it. How about you, Mother? Are you into that? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. He guesses. And finally, from Forbes, the United Nations accepted a formal request by the country Turkey to rebrand as Turkey. That's spelled T U with an umlaut over the U, R K I Y E. Turkey was first used after the country's declaration of independence in 1923. Mm-hmm. Turkey's English language state broadcaster TRT World explained the decision to use Turkey because they said Turkey conjures up a muddled set of images, articles, and dictionary definitions that confuse the country with Meliagris otherwise known as the turkey. Okay. That's what they call a turkey, a meleagris, a large bird, they said, native to North America, which is famous for being served on Christmas menus or Thanksgiving dinners. It also noted another unfortunate meaning for the word turkey. Flip through the Cambridge Dictionary, it said, and turkey is defined as something that fails badly or a stupid or silly person. 
like and subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review Podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.